at Jared. We know devotion isn't a once a year occasion. And once the flowers have wilted and the chocolates have disappeared, you'll still want them to know how much you care. Dare to give a gift that lasts this Valentine's Day with our incredible selection of jewelry. From delicate rose gold to bold black diamonds, Jared has hundreds of pieces under $299 and exclusive collections you won't find anywhere else. Shop online or find a store near you at jared.com and dare to be devoted. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Troy Noons is an Absolute Podcast. I'm your host, as always, John Casillo, and with me today is Dan Lyons. Hello, everyone. Happy Thanksgiving. Uh, happy Syracuse uh, already clinched their best season since 2001. Um, basketball hasn't lost since we last spoke. <laughs> Women's basketball has won a bunch since we last spoke. Women's basketball so, is killing it. Yeah, they're great. Uh, so, yeah, d- 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 mostly good things. Net, net positive. The volleyball team made the uh, NCAA tournament for the first time ever. We had a whole host of all ACC football players, including one that should have been a lot higher. Yeah, why don't we? Why don't we? Why don't we jump into that? Okay. Because uh, <laughs> for anyone who's been on the uh, the Syracuse corner of the internet um, today, Monday, you probably saw the ACC release its all conference teams pretty late in the day. To be honest, they usually do it on the Tuesday after the season ends. And they knew we were coming. Yeah, they knew, they knew we were coming, and, we, we, and they thought that the more time they gave us to, to, to get everything ready to go, the more angry we were going to be. Eric Dungey was a third-team All-ACC quarterback. Makes no sense when you look at the numbers, his importance to the team, um, probably numerous other factors. Ryan Finley got a, a, a pretty sizable amount of the vote here, um, and, and a lot of this, and, and this goes for every year, You know, a lot of this is, is dictated by just how many—there's 46 media members in the panel— uh, many of them are in the uh, Tobacco Road general area um, or North Carolina or South Carolina. They're old members of the ACC. A lot of these folks have been covering the, the conference for, you know, two, three, four decades. So, again, shouldn't shock that, that most of the people selected to these teams, um, especially the first team, were, uh, were players that are in the kind of traditional footprint of the ACC. Uh, it's not to slight Syracuse completely. I mean, they did get nine players on, on the all-ACC team overall. Um, I thought the other eight, like not to cut you off, I thought the other yeah. eight were all like very fair, um, and like even some surprises, like Sean Riley getting in there on the third team, which was like not a super obvious spot for him, so they put him as an all-purpose back, which doesn't really make sense, but I guess like for his overall impact to make sense, and um, getting a bunch of the offensive linemen on there, uh, I think Slayton probably should have gotten third team, but yeah. it's hard to like really like that's I, I, if you're not like disagree between third team and I'll never mention it is what it is, but overall I thought they did a really nice job with Syracuse, just the dungeon thing. I know like you have to pry in a little bit to like see where he should have been higher. And I, I kind of get why the two guys that gotten higher than him did, but it, it does feel lazy based on proximity and based on like, it almost felt like they went with like, here are the two quarterbacks that are probably going to be the biggest NFL uh, prospects going forward versus like who had the biggest impact in the college game. And I find it hard to, I mean, a Dungy out Finley this year and put up better overall numbers. And you can't just take away the rushing. That's a huge part of his impact. And B like, Lawrence was very good this year, and he got better as the year went on, but I think Dungey meant a lot more to Syracuse um, than Lawrence. I mean, I think Clemson would have been fine if Kelly, I don't think they would have any more, fewer weight. I think they'd have the same record if Kelly Bryant stayed. I think they probably would have been close to undefeated if Chase Bryce had to start. So, yeah, I mean, it's not the biggest spur, like, slight in the world, but it would have been nice for him to get, like, at least second team. Yeah, and, you know, I mentioned this in the in the post, too, like, Finley can pass for as many yards as 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 he wants. It it didn't matter against Syracuse, you know. 
his running game was so bad that, that, that it didn't necessarily, it showed in that game in particular that his passing abilities and his passing statistics didn't necessarily make the difference in the game. You know, Trevor Lawrence wasn't having the best game against Syracuse before he went out um, with an injury before halftime in that game. Like, I'm sure he would have done fine. The second half, who knows if Clemson would have won, but that could have easily changed the course of, of the game. I know head-to-head's not part of these votes, but it is worth considering from a Syracuse fan perspective that, like, you know, Dungy did look better than both quarterbacks for the for the one-and-a-half games he faced them both. Yeah, like, Lawrence didn't really get anything going. I mean, they they just ran the hell of the ball afterwards, but, like, Lawrence was pretty pedestrian against us before he got knocked out, and... Like, Finley was fine. He was, like, he played well. He put up good numbers. But Dungey, clearly, I mean, he outplayed him. He outdueled him and he got the win. So, obviously, head-to-head isn't, like, really a factor here. But just overall, like, I can understand why things went the way they did with quarterback and it was a competitive position. But it's not surprising that we are a little bit a little bit irked, especially how he finished the year with that six-touchdown demon against Boston College. Right. I mean, one player had 32 touchdowns and the other two did not. Yes. <laughs> Worth mentioning. Um, also worth mentioning, since we're on the All-ACC team conversation, uh, there were only two freshmen on the first team. Both of them were Syracuse players. Uh, Andre Sisco was the lone freshman on defense. Uh, he got 110 votes out of a possible 180. Um, and then uh, Andre Schmidt, the Lou Groza Award finalist, he hit 28 of 32 uh, field goals this year. He is the only freshman on special teams. With 165 out of a possible 180 votes, he's one of the highest vote-getters um, on the entire thing. The only players that beat him out were uh, Greg Dorch, Mitch Hyatt, and uh, Trap Setian. So, not bad showing from Syracuse on that first team. I mean, yes, two of those guys, Hoffrichter being another member of the first team, um, were special teams. Uh, Cisco, I was actually surprised he hit first team. I think a lot of people have seen... I think this also speaks to, you know, I'm sure, you, I know you saw my tweet earlier just kind of talking about, like, a lot of these writers, like, either it was biased completely against the, the you know, non-traditional parts of the conference, or it, it was a quick stat sort um, on, on any number of websites where you just look at the ACC players, you hit sort on passing yards or touchdowns, you see Dungy's not at the top, you don't put him at the top. I, I think in, in some ways, you know, Cisco might have been the beneficiary there, and it seems like a lot of... Uh, writers understand who he is and the coaches too because they look at the interceptions leaders they see he's tied for first nationally and they go oh okay this guy must be really good yeah there could definitely be some of that not not with Sisto like I think it was you know I, not that I have an in-depth knowledge of every safety in the league but I feel like it's hard to really argue because he, he he's been more than just the interceptions I said it during the BC game like he is really crafted into a a very good all-around uh, defensive back which isn't, isn't always what you get with these like ball hawks like sometimes they're very good at the one thing, but they can't tackle. They're they're really bad. They're not great in coverage. They oh, they he wasn't earlier in the year, and yeah, he definitely got a lot better. Like by the year's end, he was playing like one of the one of the best players on the team, regardless of year. Um, and I mean, we I expect him to just keep on getting better. You know, he's a guy that we might not get a full four years out of because he with with his ability to to read the ball, and then he's also like just done so much better in run support. Um, just overall, it's really impressive to see how he developed over the course of the season. Oh, yeah, and, and yeah, I, I don't want anyone to think that, that I, I was slighting him. I think it's more just talking to, like, you and I know that about Cisco because we watch the games, because we've seen the progression, because we watch him in coverage and know what he's doing. I think more just pointing out that, you know, the interceptions is an easy thing for lazy writers or coaches or, or at least their, you know, staff, someone who's filling out these bracket, these things for them, can see that and go, oh, this guy is good. 
um, easily quantifiable. Um, second team, Jamal Custis. Uh, I think some of that is related to kind of how he played earlier in the season versus later. Um, I think he still deserved all-conference honors. Uh, but just a note, Alton Robinson, second team. Guy had 10 sacks this year, and honestly, like, I felt like his impact was... The, the 10 sacks sounds big, and it is. It's one of the better uh, figures in Syracuse history in a single season. But, like, his impact on a game-to-game basis cannot be overstated. Like, he was fantastic. Um, him and Kendall Coleman both did a great job, and Robinson really started to make his presence shown in that uh, second half, or at least late first half into the second half against BC. Um, Ryan Guthrie, another guy who played a great, great second half of the season, um, led the team in tackles, I think, pretty much every game from North Carolina on. Um, he was another guy who, you know, great to see him get second team honors. I know Dungey we mentioned, Sean Riley we mentioned, uh, Coda Martin uh, got a nice nod over at the offensive tackle spot. Um, and beyond that, yeah, that was everybody that got onto the actual teams. Cody Conway and uh, Chris Layton were both honorable mentions. I think, honestly, like, Alton Robinson is, is easily on the short list for best players in the team. I think you have to keep Dungey at number one, but... If you're doing a top five, I think Alton Robinson was probably the best player on defense this year, maybe the most important player on defense for what you said. Like, he brought so much pressure in addition to the sacks. He had, I think, like, something like 21 tackles for loss this year. Um, any, I can't even fathom how many, like, quarterback hurries. I'm not sure if there's an official stat up there on the SU website, but um, he was huge. And then Guthrie, uh, a really well-deserved second-teamer. Um, Guthrie's emergence in mid-year is basically, like, when our, our run defense ever became great. But after the Clemson and Pitt losses were very much predicated on the run defense being, you know, they were just not stopping runs in late-game situations, Guthrie really came along basically right after that and 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 cut down on the run as a major weapon that could be used against us to where we couldn't just, like, you couldn't run in the fourth quarter on us and expect to come back from deficits. And even with a team like BC, which uh, obviously A.J. Dillon left the game with uh, his ankle being all knocked up as it's been for a couple weeks. But Boston College generally runs the ball well, whoever's coming out of the backfield because their offensive line's very good and they're just like really well built in that system and our defense pretty much completely shut down that running attack which was which was big and that's why i think we were able to to build that distance between us uh, in the fourth quarter and, and guthrie was was just a monster racking up tackles in that system where you know he was tasked with a lot of one-on-one situations and it could have gone poorly but he was became such a sure tackler down the stretch um the defense really would have been much more of a problem area late in uh, games if not for his uh, emergence late in the year yeah, and that speaks to, you know, how well he was scouted by the staff, too. Like, Guthrie was not that type of player in college. I don't think he was really that type of player last year when we used him either. We used him in part on at linebacker, in part at defensive end, um, in spots when we were dealing with some injuries. But, like, at the JUCO ranks, he was he was a big tackle for loss guy, um, and—, and you know, I think he led. I think he led JUCO for a season, but he he was the type of guy who you know really would have fit into the old Schaefer system. And for him to be able to you know by the time mid year hit, completely change on a dime, completely turn turn around the way he was playing, and, and turn into a second team All Conference guy who was really critical to stopping the run. I mean, can't say enough about it. And like, I don't know, you know how what his pro prospects might look like. I think he's a little bit on the smaller end for pro pro for like pro ball, but. At the same time, like, people said that about Zaire Franklin. Uh, people said that about Paris Bennett before he retired. So, like, I, I think he might have played his way at least into an undrafted free agency conversation. I mean, who knows? Um, you mentioned Robinson's stats. Uh, QB hurries. He's got 11 on the season, three forced fumbles, two pass breakups. So, 
uh, like we mentioned, uh, really impacting the game in all aspects. And you and I were really high on him going into the season and talking about how much of an impact he made last year without having a full training camp. So it was great to see him really put it together this season. And, and you know, next year he will be one of the – probably one of the best defensive linemen um, in the conference, assuming that he's back with us next year. Yeah, I honestly think the defensive staff overall um, really deserves a lot of credit because – the team made pretty stark improvements, especially in the second half after those two losses, and there wasn't like a ton done in terms of like steam or what or, or whatnot. But players just seemed to be put in better positions, and and just oh, across the board, everyone I thought started playing better over the course of the season, which isn't usually what you get, honestly, with injuries and whatnot. And and we survived some injuries. We survived whatever the um, situation with Anton Torti is. Uh, hopefully, everything's okay with him. But he missed our last two games. Um, and there was, you know, the attrition that usually killed the SU team in years past, like the defense improved over the course of the year instead of getting worse, which has generally been the case. So I think Brian Ward's done a really nice job. Um, and hopefully that the staff, you know, can kind of ride that momentum. We've seen some pretty big recruiting gains in the last couple of days, which is nice uh, because that was like kind of an area of concern for a little bit. We hadn't gotten a lot in during the, the, the winning streak that we had before the Notre Dame game. And we've really seen that ramp up uh, as we approach uh, the the December break here, and this is where I think we'll see a lot of that action, especially as we lead to the early signing period. I, I would expect that we start to fill some more of these spots. Yeah, and we only have like a handful of spots left, but, you know, really, really nice work in the last uh, few weeks by Syracuse, especially in that like 24-hour stretch where Cornelius Nunn comes back, which was not at all expected. Uh, pair of four-star linebackers. Yeah, Jones. How do we say, is it Lee K. Pogba or is it just Pogba? Have we, has anybody... Uh, I saw a pronunciation, and I don't remember what it was. I think it might just be Pogba. No, so we can, we can make the soccer references. Yep, and we could have either way. I, mean... I know. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, two four-star guys and a high three. That's awesome. It's great to see. There's a huge emphasis, to be honest, on the defensive uh, side of the football in this uh, recruiting class. There's a couple more guys we're trying to close on. Um, I think I saw a lot of concerns start to pop up when the numbers were pretty low and we had lost one or two guys kind of mid-cycle. Now we got one of those guys back, which again, never happens in, in none. And then we got some better guys. So yeah, I mean, our three best, our, according to 24-7, our three highest ranked composite recruits are Jones, Padba, and Nunn, who all committed on the 20th or 21st. So pretty good, pretty good work. And, and like you said, it's been... Uh, a very uh, defense-heavy class, a very uh, on the offensive side. It's it's a lot of linemen, uh, a couple of offensive linemen, and a, a tight end. So, which which makes sense because like if you look at our, our roster, we're pretty well situated at the skill positions. We have our quarterback for the next few years at least. Plus, we have Chance Amy, who we'll hopefully develop. But defense, I think, is where we're going to lose more guys, and you can always use the depth. So it, it makes a lot of sense that this is the defense-heavy class. After like the last couple of years, we've just brought in so many wide receivers. Um, we've brought a bunch of backs the last couple of years. Our offensive line, we have a, a pretty good young unit where some of those dice has gotten some work. So uh, I'm pretty happy with, with stocking up on these linebackers and these other playmakers. Yeah, and like it's in, you know, you mentioned we lose them on defense. Like this isn't even, even like a total overhaul like we've had in the past either, which is great. Uh, like we lose Cordy, we lose Slayton, um, we'll lose Guthrie. And... Yeah, just guys and spots. We might lose, I mean, Robinson could leave. I wouldn't be shocked, but there's no guarantee. Yeah, I mean, I think he's a better raw player than, like, Ron Thompson was when he left. Yeah. So, I mean, it wouldn't shock me if he left. I hope he doesn't. But, like, I think we could still deal with that because I think a lot of the other defensive linemen have played quite well, too. Like, he's the key guy, but if you lose a guy like that, like, that's the price of doing business with, with having really good players. So, 
I think we're just really well situated on both sides of the ball heading into next year and, and getting the bowl game at all is nice because we get this extra month of work to put in, but uh, especially getting uh, the extra month and getting some of the uh, the younger guys will step into big roles next season. But um, I've seen a little bit of discussion on it in both in Slack with uh, the, the noon staff and also on Twitter. Like next year could, shouldn't be a major step down even without Dungey and, and some of the other seniors. Like if anything, I think this team could improve next season um, and really cement itself as like an upper echelon ACC team for a bit here. Yeah, I completely agree. Why don't we actually talk about that a little bit before we pivot over to basketball? Um, and I don't want to jinx anything, get ahead of ourselves. That said, uh, you look at the schedule. Uh, we've got at Liberty, at Maryland. Uh, there's a gap in there that's probably going to be filled by an ACC game. Uh, and then Western Michigan, who should be you know even further removed from kind of the PJ Fleck Heights, though Lester's still been recruiting well. Um, and then Holy Cross. So nice September. Um, even before you count for the ACC game. Uh, road games, three out of the four, maybe all four manageable, at Duke, at Florida State, at Louisville, at NC State, and then home games against BC, Clemson, Pitt, and Wake. Um, we'll see where Florida State and Louisville are next year. I think that this year was an anomaly just in terms of how far they fell, especially Louisville. But at the same time, and not because Louisville is better than Florida State, I think more because Louisville fell to depths unseen. <laughs> for a like upper echelon in the conference program but yeah i uh there's only one surefire loss on the schedule and that's clemson and 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 is it even though it's like not that i'm saying we should beat clemson with any regularity but like we almost beat clemson this year we beat them last year i would say it's a i would say it's like you know when you go through your your projections it's probably a loss but like this team has proven it can play with clemson so I just I'm think, not... I, I mean, I know that they lose a lot on defense. My one concern is that Lawrence is so much better now That's true. than he was. Yeah, I mean, they're going to be distinct favorites. But, but we're going to be a like... top 20 team. I mean, looking at the schedule, right. like, whether the talent's completely there or not, like, this is, as long as Babers, back, Babers is back and as long as everybody that we think is going to be back on this team is there and, and, and provided we don't, you know, have some terrible injuries befall us. This schedule is super manageable again, and like super manageable on the road, most importantly, because honestly, like I'm much like we looked really good against BC on the road. We almost beat Pitt on the road. We looked great against Wake Forest on the road. Take those teams, and like Wake Forest loses a couple more like bigger names. I think their quarterback situation is going to be better. Um, Pitt might be just as good, if not a little bit better. BC, that really all depends on on, on Dylan's health. That... I think BC will probably be around the same, if not a little better, because yeah. Brown will be a, a year better. Dylan, if he's healthy, um, he'll still be there. Um, I think BC is like, like kind of what they are now, and, and that's not, not <laughs> dudes. great. Dudes. I mean, their fans don't <laughs> seem to be. Yeah, they're dudes. They're like 7-8 win dudes, which is nice. Like I would like I know BC fans are getting a little like annoyed, but like you're BC, and, and we're, we're in the same spot. Like This was a great year for us. If we're doing this more often than not, we have like really transformed the program. I'm not saying BC can't be better on a year-to-year basis, but like if this is your floor with Adazio, like there are much worse things. And I don't think Adazio is a great coach, but the problem is it's not just their floor; it's also their ceiling. <laughs> that that's the bigger concern. But you have a young quarterback, you have a really good running back. Like they can be an eight-nine win team next year if things break right. Well, let me let me take a look. At, we're not going down this full rabbit hole. I'm just curious who they face next year. Well, a minor, a, a, a quick diversion. Ooh, this is th- th- this this schedule's right out of the goddamn Syracuse playbook. This oh, is, they have Notre Dame. They got they got Richmond. Fine, Kansas. I mean, fine, probably, but less miles. Uh, at Rutgers, at Notre Dame. 
Why would they should you? Win three. They should win three. Though. Should, but like, why would you do this to yourself? Like, you don't need to do this. You don't need to schedule three Power Five teams. Yeah, but two of them are like yeah probably the two worst power five teams. You know what though, Kansas actually improved over the course of the year, and I feel they like did. Kansas I... was the best they've been in a long time this year. It wasn't great, but they were competitive-ish. And less, I know people are like really making one of the less miles higher. I don't I, think it's I, bad I honestly, if he hires smart. I honestly coordinators. I, I I I think you're setting if you're Kansas, you need to build some kind of ba- of of like baseline infrastructure for a football program. And they just haven't had that, and Les will do that. Now, I don't think they're ever going to win the Big Twelve with him, but at least you get to like where you're a functional program, and then you and, and he'll have a role in finding a, a successor. Um, you would think you're the poor uh, man's Iowa State. If they yeah, if they become that, like, and, and Les is a little more open to being more forward thinking, which maybe he will be because the pressure to beat Alabama will be off, um, and you don't have to worry about like like what what's who cares if they win four games next year? That's like Les Miles doesn't have to have really show anything for like three or four years in terms of wins. I don't think. I'd um, be pissed if I were them, though. If, like if I was the fans, I would have wa- I would have wanted to jump on Cliff the second he got fired. Uh, yeah, I guess. But it's I mean, hiring a fired coach from your conference is never yeah. going to be a super popular move. Even if I think Kingsbury is possibly a better coach than he's had the chance to show. Like that's that's a rough, not a super easy job. Maybe um, less high as Cliff. Year, this year, he was really... I mean, maybe. Cliff apparently isn't like involved for every big OC. <laughs> I saw OC that. Ever. Yeah, I mean, I think Cliff will get another job eventually. Um, and then Rutgers, like, Ash is going to be there. I, I, I don't know what to expect from them next year. <laughs> they're, they're, um, they're trash. That's fine. Yeah. They can stay so trash. So if you have to schedule three Power Fives, and you already are stuck with Notre Dame for a year, which I'm sure BC's fine with since uh, they're rivals, um, I think you'd probably take those two. Yeah. I, I agree there. But yeah, back to Syracuse's schedule. One 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 very likely loss. I'd say one probable loss at Florida State. If Florida State bounces back, which I, I know, think they will. A very, there's a very good chance. Like, Taggart's a good coach. There's right. a very good chance they will be markedly better. And they have a ton of talent. And they will have another a ton of talent next year. I'm sure they're, they're going to bring in a, a top 15 class. And, and 15, they'd be disappointed probably. So yeah, um, at Florida State, we should not assume that's going to be an easy game. No, yeah, I, I think that's probably a loss. But then, like, e- even if we got back to five hundred in the toss-up games, you're still looking at a seven or eight-win season. Yeah, honestly, I think I think saying like a seven-win floor is pretty reasonable. Like, because you don't know totally what like, we we have a good feeling about Devito. We don't totally know what he's going to be as a starter. Um, right. He might. I mean, odds are he's going to be as like. You know, he's not going to be as bad as he was against Notre Dame, but he's probably not going to be, like, A-game a Eric Dungy. Um, he's a very different player. He doesn't have that same kind of ability to totally take over with his legs, obviously. But, and then, obviously, this year, I think we mostly got lucky with injuries. We had a couple here and there, but none that were, like, super major. Um, and none that really cost us parts of our team, like, like systematically. So, yeah, I mean, I think, I think we're probably looking at uh, seven-win floor, hopefully, and then, like, 9 or 10 win ceiling. Um, maybe higher if, if DeVito really steps in. But And that's that's crazy. And, if, and I'm hoping that our fan base doesn't go crazy. And if we only win, like, 8 games next year, that's not a disappointment at all. That's us actually establishing that that's what we are now versus, you know, even a couple of years ago when we were we got to, like, the pinstripe bowl, the next year we fell back, and, and it kind of halted momentum, and then we got back, and we lost our coach. So um, getting to where we can be comfortable winning 
eight games-ish, and, and hopefully, you know, the coaching situation will play itself out, but that's like a huge step forward and something we haven't had since Pastoloni was rolling along in the 90s. Yeah, I, I mean, Sean kind of hit on this in his article today about Dino Babers, but you have to think that if, if I think eight wins, I think people will be all right next year. I think if we only win only, quote-unquote, because I'm still existing in the Syracuse fandom that I existed in before this year, uh, <laughs> unlike most. If we, quote-unquote, only win seven games, I feel like there's going to be a whole bunch of freakouts, um, and that's going to be unfortunate. Doesn't Also doesn't mean that Dino isn't going anywhere, <laughs> because any any potential program that would try to hire him understands what Syracuse was when he inherited it, and understands what he's turned it into. And, and, and if you can get fans hoping for four or five wins from the time you get there to getting annoyed with seven, you're obviously a very good coach. Yeah, and, and most, uh, most other places that were, like, would be looking at Babers um, would understand that like Syracuse only winning seven games next year or something would still be uh, an accomplishment coming from where they were. Um, and, and I think most of our fans, I think a number of our fans would get that. I think there will be a loud, I mean, if this, if this comes to pass, which there's no guarantee of, but like there would definitely be a loud minority that would be like, oh, he's been kind of uh, like smoke and mirrors. But then like the second he was to leave, they would also freak out and call him disloyal. So whatever. You can't really worry about those people, honestly, because they're never going to be happy with how things are going. I would agree. Um, that should be good for football for now, at least. We might drift back in. Um, actually, when we get back from halftime, and we're going to halftime now, uh, going to talk a little bit about Tulane, only for like a minute or two, just to give the Green Wave some props for fulfilling the prophecy that we have uh, we, we've long supported. But uh, before that, Dan, what have you been drinking? Uh, so I had a very, very Connecticut uh, brewery experience, or beer experience, uh, over Thanksgiving weekend, which sense that's where it was. Um, I went to Half Full Brewery in my hometown of Stanford, mostly because they were having a can release of a collaboration with the other Stanford Brewery, Lock City. Um, their Stam Vegas uh, Sour IPA, uh, which is a reference to an awful nickname that someone gave our town <laughs> for no reason like years ago. But the beer is really good. Um, really nice blend of a sour flavor. Probably probably could have been a little bit more balanced, but I, I mean, I like sours and, and I like IPAs, and there was like enough hoppiness where I was pretty happy with it. Um, so I had a bunch of that, which they had just put out uh, on Wednesday. Uh, so I grabbed up a couple packs of that. Um, I also had their Supernova Blackberry, uh, which was also uh, quite, quite tart, one of their sour ale Supernova series. Um, I had a Positively Pumpkin, which is okay. I've had it before. It's not my favorite pumpkin. And then I also had their Without Rhyme or Reason number nine, which is their double dry hop IPA series. Uh, this was quite good. Uh, they do some interesting stuff with double IPAs. They've come a long way since they opened up a couple years ago. Uh, I also had some Honey Spot Road from Two Roads, which is always good. Uh, and I had uh, a double dry hopped double mosaic daydream from Other Half, which is probably the best beer I had this weekend. Um, other half always does really good work, and this was was really really delicious. Very nice. Um, on my end, I was down in Orange County for the holiday. Stopped over at uh, one of my favorite breweries down there, uh, Chapman Crafted. Had a couple options from them: uh, Modern Marvel uh, and Divine Sunshine. Uh, Modern Marvel was kind of they referred to it as like a modern IPA, so it was kind of a lot more West Coast breweries are like everybody jumped in on the haze train, then everyone kind of like half backed off. Now, people are going with, like, uh, some East Coast, West Coast hybrids, and I feel like some breweries are doing a really nice job at them. Uh, Modern Marvel was kind of one of those. 
Uh, so definitely enjoyed that. Uh, Snugglebug from Smog City. It's a raspberry and boysenberry uh, sour. Always a good one. Um, also had from uh, Firestone, their Luponic Distortion, uh, number 11 this time. Uh, some real great citrus flavors and guava, kind of pineapple, lemon drop, uh, hop flavors in there. So that was really enjoyable. And then uh, the brewery had uh, their new like kind of baked goods can series that they've been doing. So uh, this one was called The Bakery, and it was uh, kind of a coconut macaroon flavored uh, bourbon barrel aged stout. So really enjoyable one there. I feel like there's stuff most places at this point. So if you find it, I would say grab that one on the shelf. Nice. Definitely a, a solid uh, drinking holiday there. Yeah, I, uh, I, I, I do like to vary what I'm drinking during the holidays and, and try out some new stuff. I know uh, next time down Orange County, I already have plans to check out a couple, uh, a brewery or two that just opened up nearby. So, yeah, good times. Um, Basketball-wise, uh, before we get into that, um, again, mentioned Tulane. Tulane won. We're pretty happy. We haven't really had like a, a specific Tulane section um, in quite some time. Uh, more because Syracuse has been so good that we haven't drifted off topic as much. But, uh, Dan, how much of this game did you get to watch on Saturday? Uh, very little. <laughs> I was I was uh, in the Syracuse game, plus switching off to Ohio State Michigan a bit, which was um, disgusting. Uh, <laughs> plus, and then I went into the Iron Bowl after that. So I, I kind of just caught it um, as the, the stuff about like them coming back at the end, saying like they won by one point, and it's Navy to, to clinch bowl uh bowl eligibility um but very cool for them it's been like kind of a rough study for them they've picked up some big wins they've they've like clearly made some market improvements over the year um and then the navy win apparently was just like totally thrilling um down the last second so uh really happy for those guys really ton of progress made and you can't say enough about it and uh they might hold on to willie fritz since kansas didn't want to hire him so we'll see yeah i mean this is one of those games where like win probability falls off a cliff uh, for the team that loses, uh, Navy had an 88.2% chance to win this game with three and a half minutes to go. Uh, um, then Tulane won with about, well, they scored the winning touchdown with a minute and a half to go. Uh, got the two-point conversion. Uh, so awesome stuff for them, finishing 6-6. Six and six. They actually finished tied for the lead um, AAC West, which is like the coastal of the group of five, um, it seems. Although I'd actually think the AAC West might have better teams than the coastal does somehow especially because Pitt even if they lost to us still would have won the Coastal they're probably more interesting at the very least yeah I mean like Houston's clearly the best team in this division but they also just like don't do anything with that so that's why Memphis <laughs> keeps winning the division but yeah Tulane 5-3 and three in conference 6-6 six and six overall SMU finished right behind them at 4-4 four and four. I mean this is kind of an off year for Navy um Tulsa suddenly looks buried over there, and I don't really know if they're going to be able to get out of that. So, yeah, good for the Wave. Looking forward to uh, to watching the bowl game. It won't be against Syracuse because we're uh, we're in the running for, for some bigger stakes, so that's good. We don't have to feel conflicted. <laughs> imagine, I'm just imagining. House divided flag. I'm just imagining how mad people would get if we actually pretended like we were conflicted between Syracuse and the team we adopted for no reason. <laughs> Well, we know why it was it was adopted because of a dope ass mascot, and then that dope ass mascot became 
there's a lot to love. Yeah, and then and then the dope ass mascot became their actual mascot instead of just like the you know pet mascot that we refer to. It became the mascot, the logo, the uh, the dress, the field logo. Just I don't know, like they just they were very smart. Like you have a very goofy wave, and you should centerpiece him. He's he deserves it. He's glorious. And now, yeah, now look at him. Now he, he's the illustrious wave who will be crashing into into some stadium probably in Texas or Alabama or somewhere. Maybe the uh, well, New Orleans Bowl usually goes to the like Louisiana schools, like the Lafayettes and et cetera. But I don't know. Maybe there. I mean, it might be kind of boring for them, but there, Birmingham Bowl. Unfortunately, Pitt will probably not be there to face them eh, because Pitt Pitt loses again. <laughs> If it gets struck by Clemson, has to have the Birmingham Bowl and plays Tulane, and there's just like how many runs between them? Yo, like, please, uh, pl- please sign me up for seven and six pit in the Birmingham Bowl. Could <laughs> be so mad winning the coastal, <laughs> winning the coastal and finishing seven and seven because you. Have we ever had a college football team finish seven and seven? I know we've had six and eight. I feel like Georgia Tech did once. I know they've done six and eight too. I feel like Georgia Tech went seven and seven once. UCLA might have gone seven and seven once. UCLA went six and eight, I think, the one time because they played Hawaii, and then they won the South for some reason. Oh, because USC uh, and like Arizona State or something were both like ineligible. Yeah, and then they lost in the Pac-12 championship, so they were six and seven. And then I think they played like Nebraska or something in a bowl game, and they lost. And nobody that too. wanted. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm sure somebody's going to get an exemption to go to the bowl. I think too. That won't happen this year. I know no, we, we have uh, all too many. Unfortunately, there will be some group of five teams that get left out, which is always sad. I always feel bad for them. Yeah. Like, we have so many stupid bowl games. Just, like, find a couple more if we have teams. It's like, why not? I found the I'm team that went seven and seven. Stupid bowl games. Like, I know people, like, hate how big the bowl season is. Who gives a shit? Why? <laughs> why do you care if, if Miami, Ohio gets to play a game at six and six? Like, why are you against that? The only if thing I'm the against one, is the shit. But that... the one time we, like, give stuff to the student athletes, quote unquote, um, for no reason, like the thing, times we actually give them stuff on bo- on board and like they get to like reap the benefits is the bowl season when we give them a bunch of gifts. Like, let's not take that away from them if they win their six games. Like, no one's no one's saying that like, you know, sits and sits Toledo is is you know a postseason team like it is in baseball or something. But it doesn't mean that we can't enjoy a, like dumb, hilariously sponsored game in some podunk town that no one cares about. Like. Yeah fun and it's on like december 16th and there's nothing else happening so let's enjoy it well the only thing i'm against though is that stupid mountain west versus mountain west bowl game a couple years ago that was dumb yeah that that that, that crap and go to hell <laughs> but the other games those are fun yeah the people that are upset about the rnl carriers bowl i'm like watch that game it is so much fun the bahamas bowl bahamas bowl is always amazing it's so fun um so yes i support all, all of this like it's college football a lot of it's just very stupid so just lean in Agreed. Also, I found the 7-7 seven and seven team. 2016 Hawaii. Oh, did they? That makes sense. Yeah. Nid Rolovich. Really doing... How, what did they finish at this year? Did they... Did they I know they, they hit the skids a little bit at the end, but, I mean, still a really nice year for them. No, they went... I think they went, like, 8-4 and four because... Because San Diego State was stupid and threw a fade in the... Yeah. San Diego State was stupid and threw a fade at the end of... Um, in overtime instead of like they were going for two to just not have to go into seven overtimes as it was going on at the same time as the LSU Texas A&M game and then they decided yeah despite the fact that we're a running team we're just gonna we're just gonna throw a fade and then they threw a fade 
and then they threw another fade after there was a penalty on the previous play. Which you're San Diego State. What are you doing? Right. And and like they got into the end zone by running like 26 yards, like untouched. Yeah. So I'm looking. Hawaii finished eight and five. Yeah. With a five and three Mountain West record, and honestly, like their losses, they lost to Army, who was very good this year. They lost to BYU, who just has a lot more talent. They and and there was a trap to at BYU, and also it was at Army. That's a brutal trip. Um, they lost to Nevada, who's like they're not good, but they're like dangerous enough. Um, they lost at Fresno, and Fresno was awesome. And they lost to Utah, Utah State. Utah State was awesome. So like they lost to four bona fide like three bona fide really good group of fives. One team that has like borderline power five talent, and then another just kind of a weird loss. And they won eight games. So like that's a really nice year for them. I agree. I also feel like we're we're now in tangent territory. And yeah, people can start getting pissed. Um, all right. So quick college basketball thing, and then we're going to talk about Syracuse basketball in particular. Um, the first ever net ratings came out on Monday, and they were a disaster. And this is because the NCAA has decided that they're not going to tell us how they work. They're not going to include any sort of previous uh, marker for teams. So you just kind of go in blind, and then whatever happened... Um, you don't include any previous rankings. You don't really adjust for. Uh, you also don't adjust for opponents, so that's cool. Um, slash, really stupid. Um, and considering the fact that before they created this, they met with Ken Palm, they met with Jay Billis, and a bunch of other people that like already had rating systems that were better. And even with that, they still decided to go with this one. So the top ten for those who didn't see it: Ohio State. A little random. RPI, they're like closer to like 11, 12. Uh, Virginia, fine. Texas Tech, sure. Michigan, sure. Gonzaga, okay. Duke, Michigan State, Wisconsin. Virginia Tech, a little high, but whatever. And Loyola Marymount. It's very strange. And like, the, I, it's hard to really like, I want to see what this looks like at the end of the season, but without adjusting for opponent um, with the efficiency metrics, like it's going to look, I can't imagine it's not going to look weird the whole time. They said that they tested this out on past seasons, but like you, there's no point so to this. There's no point show to us these, that then. right? There's no <laughs> point to these metrics if it only fixes itself by the end. Then you might as well not release it at any point until the end. Right, and if it works well at the end, that's that's great, good for them, and that's like the point of it. But it's just gonna look stupid to release it all year, and it's like that's like if Bill C didn't bake in. I mean, it's not quite the same, but like there's a reason why Bill C bakes in last season's results. Um, why he's always had last season's results for at least part of the season. Uh, and then this year he actually kept in a small amount of it throughout the year. It's like it just balances things out. So like when he releases week to week, there are like weird results occasionally, but you can at least, especially like, like this week he had to uh, like tell people why Michigan was still ahead of Ohio state, but at least you can like understand why those happened versus this, which is just like, like, what are we learning? I, I know nothing about these teams except that Ohio state has two road wins and like, it's just it's just bizarre, and like if it gets if it, at the end it, it works out well, then fine. Like I, I look forward to that, but um, you know at least maybe give us like real insight into how this was calculated. I know they gave us like some like a chart and stuff, but I want to like just get really granular and at least let us like kind of figure this out um, if you're gonna release these on a weekly basis. Because like right now the way they rolled it out was like to look like a new rating system, like a true new rating system, but it made so little sense on the on the, uh, on the outset here that like it doesn't really have any value. Yeah, like I'd love for someone, and I'm not complaining that LMU is there necessarily. Yeah, and I don't care that Syracuse is 92. I, I don't, that is no, no part of this. I'm yeah. not thinking, like we've looked like ass, so I'm not, I, you can say anything about Syracuse basketball, and trust me, I went home to Connecticut for Thanksgiving. I heard a lot. Um, 
yeah, I, I, I had nothing to refute it with. I'm like, we've looked really bad, so it doesn't matter to me what you rate us. We don't deserve to be rated anything um, at this juncture. So it's just like the whole thing looks dumb. Yeah, looking at Loyola, I mean, they beat Georgetown, which I didn't realize, and I wish I had celebrated more so they at the time. Number one. Yeah, they should be number one right away. Um, but but then again, other teams have also beaten Georgetown. But yeah, well, they... The Paramount thing is like, well, we actually use a lot of data from 1991 to build this. Yeah, ju- ju- just that season. Um, <laughs> so th- this is what I don't understand. Like, you look at their schedule. Uh, they beat Westcliff, D2 team. Uh, at UNLV, uh, they beat CSU Northridge. They beat Georgetown. They beat Ohio. Both of those on neutral floors. Oh, Georgetown and Ohio also played an NCAA tournament on neutral floor. <laughs> and Ohio beat them. Uh, Central Connecticut, they beat by two. Florida A&M, they beat by eight. Please, someone explain to me how that resume <laughs> gets you a ranking in the top ten. Because I got nothing. <laughs> no, it's 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 just it's so weird. Just because, like, when you when you don't have any kind of adjustments and you have no uh, waiting and you have like nothing there, there's just like I don't know why you roll this out to week to week, except except to like get people excited about you changing the RPI, which people are all for, because that was a bad system but at least the rpi like you could kind of learn something from it week to week even if it was like stupid math um this like there's just there's nothing about what this one this one you know sampling tells us has any real bearing on how the season will play out so it just there's nothing here to really get excited or or even like learn about other than like that just there's just not much here so it's just very dumb to me but Hopefully by the end it sorts itself out and it makes sense and, and maybe it will, but um, I don't know why they can't just like if they're gonna talk to Jerry Palm, like just use Jerry Palm's ranking. Like, <laughs> what are we doing? Or Ken Palm or whoever. Any yeah, any of these people really. There's a lot of smart basketball folks. Um, yeah. So before we leave, obviously I want to talk a little bit about Syracuse basketball, other than saying why they don't deserve to be ranked. Um, SU sort of bounced back um, against Colgate. Well enough, anyway. Uh, Frank Howard. It was ugly, but we won. Ugly, yeah, Frank Howard's on the floor. Um, I felt like that was a, a, a big improvement and a, a much needed kind of jolt of, of energies and defense um, in general. Just sign of hopefully better things to come. Um, but we face Ohio State, you know, number one in, in net Ohio State. Um, Best team in the country right now. Best team in the country right now, according to a bunk metric. But yeah, nonetheless, they're, they are good. It's just a question of how good. Um, that's the case for everyone. It's early in the season. Um, I'm still very concerned about the Syracuse defense, but I'm much, much more concerned about the Syracuse offense because, you know, Bobby kind of talked about this on Monday. I know uh, Dylan Finer, one of our new writers, um, has broken down a couple really nice pieces on this, uh, both on the blog and elsewhere. But this offense really looks exactly the same as last year, despite the fact that everyone was supposed to be better, and we added bodies, and I don't really understand why. It basically, like, like I'm, I'm glad Battle is starting to get it started out. He had a really nice game against Colgate, um, 24 points in 26 minutes, which is good. How Hughes was good, Brissett, just like we had been talking about before, just really doesn't seem to have, like, changed the, or, or improved on the efficiency issue with his game, like, he still has these really, really poor shooting lines, and he gets to the free throw line all the time, which is great. Um, but it's it, you know, you want to see him start converting from the field. But it, the the free throw thing, like you have one bad game with a, a weird set of refs, or you have a bad line from the stripe, uh, night from the stripe, and it like totally sinks you. So uh, that's not great. And then Frank, you know, he only played 19 minutes. He only hit one shot. Um, it was a three. Uh, all of his shots came from three, which is a little weird. But maybe he's just like a little shy from contact here. Um, 
He did work on his three-point shot quite a bit in the offseason, I know, from, like, James talking to him and talking to his trainer. Apparently, like, he's actually, I mean, at least in the offseason, he was nailing him from three. But then again, so we're other people, and they're not doing that right now. Yeah, so we'll see. I'm not going to worry about, I'm not worried about Frank's performance in his first game back. Uh, Dolzhai is still kind of quiet. I mean, it's basically all what we saw before. Uh, Sidibe um, did score 11. Um, We, I mean, it'd be great if he comes along offensively because we've gotten nothing from Chuku yet. Uh, this year, and I was hoping, and he only played four minutes the other night. I was hoping uh, that we'd see more there, um, but it's been it's been rough. Carey had a, a down night. Buddy Beheim had a, had a, another quiet night. I think Buddy's probably going to fall out of the rotation if I had to guess by ACC play. Um, he's just not ready yet. Um, same with Braswell, who is not really in it yet, and Howard Washington is is kind of an enigma. Um, but yeah, we just haven't like. If Brissett starts playing more efficiently, that's going to be huge. Uh, I'm not really worried about Tyus. I think he's shown enough the last couple of games that he's pretty much back on, on track. Elijah's been good, but the center position's been pretty much a zero. Um, and Marek has not really contributed much. So it's like the, the step forwards that we expected have not really come. And, you, you know, you added Hughes, but he's not, you know, a, a savior. So, and, and we haven't really had a, a full Frank. So maybe when Frank, you know, maybe if we get last year's Frank and Hughes is, you know, as good as he's looked, you know, that's a better team, but it's not so much better. And it's still kind of disappointing based on what we thought we were getting. So the coaching game was ugly. I, I had to watch it after the fact. I couldn't watch it live. Uh, they were very, very tight in the first half. I think we were up three. We blew them out in the second half. So pretty standard story there. But Ohio State's going to be a real challenge uh, and also a big opportunity because I think if you beat Ohio State um, in Columbus, I think you get rid of, uh, a lot of the uh, the the concerns, maybe not get rid of, but I think it, it helps all the concerns from the MSG debacles. Yeah, and then you also like, kind of, I mean, you eliminate basically the the UConn loss um, with, with a win over a top twenty five squad on the road. I mean, especially with the the you know net ratings, um, actual importance for some stupid reason, but the the net ratings emphasis on true road games. Um, Ohio State's not an easy nut to crack, and that's, I guess, a pun. <laughs> oh, it's a pun. I'll, 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 I'll give it to myself. That was actually a pretty good one. Did, was uh, that even intentional? I couldn't tell. That was not intentional, but then, like, as I was saying, I'm like, ah, yeah. It's I was going to call it out if you didn't, so. Yeah, we're, uh, we're, we're dad joking over here. Uh, literally on your end. Li- yeah, literally. Uh, but, yeah, Ohio State is, uh, they got a pretty deep rotation, and this is exactly the type of thing that would, like, send me into a panic last year this year a little less so especially now that frank's back i don't know how many minutes frank's gonna be ready to play here the fact that we've only played one game in the last like i don't know what 10 days is uh is pretty helpful i I think that that's gonna help frank hopefully come back at least maybe a 25 minute capacity really if we can get the five guys you would expect to score 10 to 12 points a game at minimum like going we should be okay um against anyone to be honest not that's not a slight to Ohio State I think in, in general because our defense is supposed to be pretty good uh, we should be okay but like this team's kind of dangerous they've got four guys who can hit threes with some sort of efficiency um, they have guys who can hit get to the free throw line CJ Jackson's done that pretty well this year in general they're all their shooters are pretty good I mean their first what eight guys in the rotation all shoot 42 percent or better uh, from the floor, that's terrifying for Syracuse team because no matter how good the zone is, you're not going to be able to stop them from everywhere. I think on the boards we might be able to stand a chance. Um, it's really going to come down to you know how how Frank 
continues to evolve um, into the player he's supposed to be this year, though, and how he impacts things on the defensive end, but more importantly on the offensive end to me, um, because I think you saw when he was on the floor, um, you know, he had five assists in a short amount of time. Like, having him out there is clearly going to make this, this this team move the ball better and more efficiently and, and, and hopefully, um, you know, not do a lot of the standing around that we've seen to this point. So I think we lose to Ohio State, but it wouldn't surprise me if we saw a very different-looking team um, against the Buckeyes on Wednesday. Yeah, um, I think the one advantage you alluded to with the rebounding, which should have been an advantage in the UConn game and, and didn't end up proving out that way. But Ohio State is not very big. Um, they have four guards who play a lot, uh, who are all between 6'1 and 6'3. And then their main front court guys, Andre Wesson, 6'6", Caleb Wesson, 6'9", Tyler Young, 6'8". So not a real huge uh, team in terms of those are their top, I think, uh, seven minutes guys. Um, they have a... And then number eight is Misa Jallo, who's only 6'5". I think Jason Lede is a little bigger. He's 6'9". But it's not like he he's only playing about 10 minutes a game. So there just isn't a ton... Um, of bulk up front. So if we're to get a nice Chuku game, this would be a, a really good spot for it. And our guards are just going to have a size advantage across the board, um, aside from like Kerry, who's the size of their guards. So maybe the zone can be kind of disruptive. It's not something they see a lot of in the Big Ten. Um, I, I have some hope there. As long as we look competitive, I'll be pretty happy because I do think this is a good Buckeyes team, net rating or not. Um, they're a tournament team, uh, they have experience. Um, they have some talented freshmen, so even a loss here like won't totally freak me out. But if we, as long as we look good, because that's my biggest concern. Is that just we haven't looked, we haven't looked right at all this year. And even if we lose, if we're like competitive and, and are hanging with a top sixteen team on the road, um, I think that's a step, uh, or at least you know, to take some of the some of the nerves away. And, and like you said, I think the, the break definitely helps with the Frank issue. Um, it's been nice to only have this one this one game in, in the last like two weeks. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you there. I think, you know, it's funny, like, that we did silly, I mean, at least on my end, like, I did something like convince myself Syracuse could go unbeaten in non-conference play. Um, I, think I mean, that used to be, the, that used to be the, the, the norm. It was, before we, like, started actually scheduling teams in non-conference. My yeah, my four years there, like, we beat Michigan State, we beat Florida a couple times, like, we were, we had some good, good games. We and did. We, we were, there were, like, I think probably three of my four years there we didn't lose a non-conference well that was also like you know the golden era of 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 modern Syracuse basketball anyway of like those are the teams that were you know top line material every year I mean when I first got there was it freshman or sophomore year we lost Cleveland State uh we lost Oklahoma State yeah that was uh my freshman year was oh that was oh eight the Cleveland State game it was right after it was I think during Thanksgiving break and that was the only loss I think we had for like two years in non-conference, two or three years. Oh, yeah, that was my junior year then. But yeah, we uh, we had some really nice runs in there. I feel like I feel like you don't really want more than two losses in non-conference play, especially for like SU. Just we haven't really done a ton of that um, in, in ever, to be honest. But I mean, you look at the rest of this run after Ohio State, like. You've got probably four wins. I mean, Georgetown, for some reason, always gets interesting. But um, Cornell, Northeastern, Georgetown, Old Dominion, like you should be at worst seven and three heading into the Buffalo game. Buffalo is kind of scary, and I think they know how to play us and beat us. They're quite um, scary. Yeah, I uh, I don't really want to face them. But if you beat them, <laughs> like, yeah, I think if we go one and two, to be honest, against Oregon, Ohio State, and Buffalo, it doesn't really matter which of those teams you beat. 
Um, obviously, Ohio State would matter the most from a numbers standpoint just because they're on the road. But if you go one and two against those three teams, I, I think most people would probably take that, and that definitely helps the computer numbers a bit if you, if you start getting better and improving and, uh, and picking up some, some better wins in ACC play. Yeah, and if we, I mean, if we beat both of these, then I think a lot of our our, our concerns are mostly quelled. Plus, throw in the Georgetown win just for you know obvious reasons. Yeah, I mean, I I think everyone we're not the types that would define our season by beating Georgetown, especially now. Um, I don't think we ever were really, but uh, a Hoyas win is kind of a, a bare minimum for my season. Yeah, it's also just a nice. You know, it's just a nice. It feel it's a good feeling. sets up sets you up for a nice just day overall. And also, like we've lost to them too much recently when they've been bad. Like we just need to win that game, especially at the dome. Aren't we like? Do we have like a really stupid record against former Big East schools? Like since we left, um, we beat Villanova. We I think we split with Villanova in that series. We've lost like two or three straight to St. John's. Yeah, it just hasn't been great. I guess we were. I think we're we're. Two and two against UConn now, yeah. and um, we're still like one and two against Georgetown. It's dumb. Yeah, it's not great. I think that's probably all we've played. So I can't think of anyone else we've played. No, I don't think there's anyone else we will play. No, those that's the list. Yeah, I mean, like if we faced Providence, sorry, it would sorry, be ah damn. Well, you don't want to break up the the best rivalry in sports, Seton Hall and uh, Syracuse Rutgers. USF. <laughs> A battle for for tie dye. A battle for, they were really mad when Johnny Flynn threw that stupid windmill down when we only won by four once. I mean, I was probably mad about it, to be honest. It, it, was, it was Bush League, but... We still, I mean, we still do stupid shit, like throw alley-oops when we're up one. <laughs> Which I'm always like, why? Because, <laughs> like, you know Jim Beheim's like, seething on the sidelines. No, there's no way he likes it. No. Anyway, um... So I guess we don't really need to give a prediction on Ohio State. I feel like we both think they could probably lose. But hey, if they win, great. That's, uh... Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I wouldn't be shocked if it's if it's pretty competitive. I, I, I still have hope that we are a much better team than we've shown. But Ohio State's good, so I'm, I'm not going to. There's no real. There's nothing we've really seen from this team that says that we're going to go uh, into Columbus and beat Ohio State. So I'm not going to be like ridiculous Homer. Oh, I'm with you. Um, so yeah, I, I think that wraps us up for today. Hopefully, we've beaten Ohio State the next time we talk. Hopefully, well, we will know. Uh, where Syracuse is bowling the next time we, we talk. So that'll be a, a fun conversation. Probably Orlando, and I'm pretty sure I'll be there, if that is the case. I'll be in Pinstripe, obviously, and I'm pretty I'm pretty positive I'll be at the Tampa World Bowl if that is the if that is the destination, which it does seem like most indications are that we have a very good shot of it. Um, and it'll be probably against West Virginia, yeah. maybe Iowa State, maybe Texas if Oklahoma beats them. Nah, give me West um, Virginia. Let's do this. I'm I'm down. I'm down for some points. <laughs> give me the pointsiest bowl game ever. Oh, it's gonna be so good. People are gonna love. People, like it's gonna be it's gonna be Twitter's favorite bowl game, which is which um, I'm all for. I'm 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 down to to let it ride here with Dina. I would agree. Um, Dan, anything else before we head out? No, very. It's uh, as a Green Bay Packers fan, it's been very weird to like rest on the, the Syracuse football program to give me uh, my, my happiness in the, in the gridiron. So I do appreciate them choosing this year to be the nine-win season. I'm with you. Um, cool. So that was Dan. I'm John. Thank you, everybody, for listening to Trey News and Absolute Podcast. You can rate, review, subscribe on iTunes, on Blog Talk, and go Orange. Go Orange. 
Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie, it's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, this is pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.